0: Let's, we're up to page 359, bottom of the page. And what we're talking about is, (laughs) excuse me, we're talking about the the idea of that you can sometimes get confused with correlation and causation vis-a-vis different actions in the natural world as well as actions in terms of the supernatural world as well. Both of them are in the same category. Same is true for the divinely measured deeds prescribed in the Torah. You slaughter the sacrificial sheep, for example, and become dirty from its blood, from flaying its hide, washing its intestines, rinsing it, cutting it up, splashing its blood, arranging the altar's wood, and stoking its fire. Had God not commanded these acts, you would scoff at them and believe that these things distance one from God, not make one closer. But if they were done in their proper fashion, and you were then to see the fire descending from heaven, or you were to discover within yourself a new spirit that you were not accustomed to having in the past, or you were to have revealing or grandiose dreams, you would then realize that these are a result of what you did earlier. You would then understand that you had successfully attained the great thing to which you aspired. Death itself would not be a difficult prospect for you once you had achieved this attachment, as your death is merely the cessation of the body alone. The soul which attained this loftiness would never descend, nor would it be distanced from its lofty level. What is clear from all this is that there can be no closeness to God without divine command. Furthermore, one cannot know God's command without prophecy. It cannot be attained through reasoning or logic. The only way, therefore, that we have any connection to God's will is through our trustworthy tradition. Those who transmitted God's commandments to us were not just a few individuals, but instead were quite numerous. There were also great wise men who received their tradition from the prophets in an unbroken chain all the way back to Moshe. And even if they had been less than this, and there had only been Kohanim Levites and elders incessantly transmitting the Torah, that would have been reason enough to rely on their tradition, right? So what he's trying to establish over the, the bulk of these, of these ideas is the concept the same way that there, we cannot necessarily recognize from the outside, right, of a natural process without having seen it through to the end and clearly defining what the causative qualities are, we couldn't possibly have defined what the cause and effect relationship is. So too, when it comes to the divine, how much more so we cannot define, we cannot use our own intuition or own logic to give us insight into what will end up bringing about the results that we still desire. So the only way to do that is based on tradition because there would be no other way to possibly access this information. This set, This data set is impossible to access without that tradition. The Kuzari said this does not seem to have been the case for the people of the Second Temple. By that time, they had already forgotten the Torah. They did not know the commandments of Sukkah until they found it written in the Torah. Similarly, they did not know about the law (coughs) that an Ammonite or a Moabite may not enter the congregation. About both of these incidents, it says they found it written in the Torah. This proves that the Torah was lost. The rabbi said, if so, then today we are wiser and know more than they did. For today, we believe that we understand all the Duma. The Kuzari said, this is what I'm saying. The rabbi said, if the commandment came to us today to offer sacrifices, do you think we would know how and where to do the slaughtering, how to collect the blood, how to play the animal's hide, where and how to cut up the animal, how to offer it, how to splash its blood, how to offer the sacrifices, meal offering, and libation? What song should accompany its offering? Where the, what the Kohanim are obligated to do regarding holiness, purity, anointment, clothing, and so forth how the Kohanim are supposed to eat the sacrificial meat, proper times and places for these things, and many other details which are too lengthy to mention. The Kuzari said we would know all this from either a Kohen, only from either a Kohen or a prophet. The rabbi said, note that the people of the second temple era built the altar before God helped them build the temple and afterwards the temple walls. Do you think that they offered sacrifices without any order, any way they pleased? The Kuzari said, it does not stand to reason that they would be able to offer a burnt offering, a fire offering, a satisfying fragrance to God, a commandment which one cannot infer logically based on you know, our own human logic alone, to the point where all of the commandments' components would be fulfilled to God's specifications. Furthermore, they must have known about the laws of sukkah, but they knew about the laws of Yom Kippur and other laws more integral than that of Sukkah, all of which required incredible wisdom and a capable instructor. But what do we do with these passages in Nehemiah that seem to indicate that they were not familiar with the laws of Sukkah? The rabbi said, if a person knows these intricate Torah details, will he have any uncertainty about making a sukkah or about the commandment of not allowing an Ammonite or a Moalite to marry among the nation of Israel? Desiree said, but if so, what does scripture mean by they found it written in the Torah? The rabbi said, clearly the explanation is that the author of the scriptural text did not concern himself with any things. He detailed only those events which are famous and well-known. For example, the author of the book of Yahshua, did not describe the wisdom that Yahshua received from God in Moshe. He did, however, describe the day the Jordan River stood still, the day the sun stood still, and the day when all the males were circumcised. So all these events were well known to the public. The same is true of the other parts of Scripture which document the history of the prophets, such as the stories of Shimshon, Devorah, Gid'on, Shmuel, David, and Shlomo. Scripture does not describe their wisdom or how they practiced the Torah. On the other hand, Scripture does detail Shlomo's great feats and great wealth. Also, none of Shlomo's wise acts are recorded except for the story with two harlots that came before him. This is because the aforementioned took place in the presence of the masses, but the wisdom he displayed with the queen of Sheba and others is not recorded, because the author's intention was only to detail those events which were famous and esteemed by the public. Those things which were highly regarded, by only the few, however, were lost except for a few writings. In the same vein, only those prophetic teachings, which are a pure and proverbially a form, have remained. People enjoy studying them because of their precious content and clear language. Likewise, only famous events in the times of Ezra and Nehemiah were recorded. The day designated for building of Sukkos was a famous day, because on that day, the entire nation anxiously took to the mountains to find olive branches, myrtle branches, palm branches, and branches of raided the trees to make sukkos as is written. The scripture means when it says that they found it written is that even the ignorant and the masses heard the Torah commandment and anxiously went about making circles. Learned individuals, however, never lost the smallest commandment, let alone a major one. The author of the scriptural text wished to extol the events of that day, just as he did in regard to the day that the masses divorced themselves from the Ammonite and Moabite women among them. It was indeed a great act for them to divorce their wives and children's mothers. Must have been a very difficult thing. One cannot imagine any nation enduring such self-sacrifice for the sake of its God, except for this elite people. It was because this event was so famous that scripture writes, they found in Britain, meaning that when the person reading the Torah to the assembled people, reached the verse, the Ammonite and the Moabite, may not enter into the congregation of God, the people became very moved to heed the word of God, A great anxiety arose on that day, right? It's a very, it's an intricate and it's an elegant solution to a problem that is indeed Seemingly doesn't really make that much sense because it is indeed difficult to understand that some of the very, very obvious, some of the most famous laws would have been completely forgotten over their 70 years in exile. And there's no reason to think that they weren't keeping that in the 70 years in exile. And it'd be very weird to say that it was forgotten. So This is a nice and elegant solution. Okay. Take care, everyone. Have a wonderful Shabbos. you well. Thanks.